Prior to the Raptors' longest ever Western Conference road trip, this podcast suggested that the set of results during the seven games would finally, finally set a direction for the front office, whether to rebuild, retool, or even compete ahead of the deadline. Unfortunately, as we have said so many times this season, the Raptors have just continued to do one thing, bamboozle. Welcome to Balling in the Six. And they get it to Jackson up top. On Barnes, steps back. Contested three, no good. Rebound knocked away. Siakam has it. Escapes the dribble. And Toronto makes history. For the first time in the history of the franchise, Toronto has come out on the top end of a seven-game Let's go! So this long, endless, confusing road trip started with one of the Raptors' best results and performances of the season. Sacramento, after being somewhat of a joke for almost the best part of the decade, have really, really turned it on this year. As any even casual NBA fan knows the phrase, light the beam. And simply put, this was a game where the Raptors did what they do best. On a bad note, of course, they shot 30% from three. They only earned seven free throws in the entire game, but they played to their strengths. 11 offensive rebounds, 12 steals, and forcing the Kings into 19 turnovers. That means they took 24 more efforts than the Kings. And this kind of field goal attempts is something we'll bring up in later games, of course. I'm going to brush over Golden State for a little bit, because I know... And, you know, it's it's sad not to give credit to Fred Van Vliet here. But this game was marred by an injury to OG Ananobi. And, you know, have we seen the man from London play his last game in a Toronto shirt? We don't know. Weak form by Siakam. He went 8 of 26 from the field. And, of course, it's a game, it's a rare game, really, where Steph Curry has turned it on for the Warriors, at least this season. And I know he's been on decent form, but... This was truly grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck, prime Steph sort of vibes. So you can almost, you wouldn't call it a schedule loss, but it's it's a game where those three factors really played a part. And although the Raptors did again win in those categories that they usually do in terms of offensive rebounds, forcing turnovers, steals, it was not enough to mitigate that impact. But, but, but. If you're looking for a team that's even more confused than the Raptors, then you only need to look at the Portland Trailblazers. They've gone on a winning streak recently and kind of 500 in that playoff spot. But again, they're in a kind of tight spot and they have been for a while where they've got, of course, Dame. And they've kind of backed him up with the likes of Jeremy Grant. Ant's really, really developed well and they've, they've got a fairly deep bench uh, in some aspects and, and a fantastic rookie in in sharp as well but there's just not enough there and some would argue their front court just completely lets, lets them down Nurkic didn't play this game but I know Portland plans have been complaining about him for a while and his consistency and you know you start Drew Eubanks of course Raptors legend Drew Eubanks <laughs> in the uh in the, at the center position you're not going to have a good time even against the centerless Raptors it helped massively 
of course, that the Raptors got to the line 18 times. Didn't shoot terribly from three, 10 of 30. But again, once again, it's those offensive rebounds numbers. They beat Portland 15 to three. And you've got to give a shout out. It's one of the lineups. And it was the first time, of course, since OG went down, that you kind of had this lineup of Van Vliet, Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes, Siakam, and Precious. And you're kind of looking at Precious in there as a starter. He went 11 of 16 this game, 13 rebounds, and really, really good double-double, and plus 27 on the floor, of course. Precious is one of those rare positives from a season like this. Bringing him in the starting lineup, of course, weakens your bench. That's just, that's how logic works. But he makes such an impact, and... You know, whether it's emphatic dunks and kind of brings that just modicum of rim protection that no other player on the Raptors has at the minute. And, you know, you're going into the Phoenix game, 23 and 28. You're sort of feeling high. You know, you won two of the last three. You're playing against quite a weak Phoenix team, a a bookerless Phoenix side who, if we're said to believe, are targeting star point guard Fred Van Vliet. And yet, when it came to that crucial fourth quarter, it just didn't work. Beaten 32-22 and 22 in an eight-point game in the end, you saw Mikhail Bridges, 29 points, but scored plenty of them in the fourth and made some really tough mid-range shots. You know, obviously, as DeAndre Ayton said afterwards, it's the type of plays that Booker usually does. Simply deferred to Mikhail. And um, one thing you notice here as well is the way they use their bench. Uh, Damian Lee, Isaiah Wainwright, Dario Saric, all playing double-digit minutes, and uh, the latter two kind of playing up to 20 there. All pluses on the floor. No one, no one in the entire Suns roster, and there were 14 players who played for the Suns, was a minus in that aspect. And the Suns are in a little bit of a difficult spot. They've got to go for it. They've got to probably trade CP3 away and make a win-now trade. But they've got the bench to do it. And, you know, if I was a Suns fan, I'd still be pretty high on this team. It almost made that Utah loss, the 131-128 loss, just that little bit tougher to take. And as we've hinted, you know, Van Vliet, he he has upped his trade value so much since 2023. And of course, there's a debate to be had whether this is a hot streak or whether he was in a slump and he was just regressing to the mean right now. But that Phoenix game was really, really special, you know, up against a vet, obviously, in Mike Conley. But 34 points, 10 assists and 12 rebounds, that kind of triple double. I'm just going to say that's worth a lot of picks for any GMs listening. But, you know, same things happens. And I'm kind of upset Varel's not on this because he loves to wax lyrical about the jazz. But... The bench, the bench for the Jazz, uh, you had Vanderbilt, Rudy Gay, Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley playing significant, significant minutes, uh, and the latter two, you know, scoring double digits there. But the main focus here actually was two players, Thaddeus Young and Kessler. You may remember back at the last trade deadline, Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster just wanted a little bit more experience, a bit more panache in the team so they decide to trade away Goran Dragic and their 2022 first round pick for Thaddeus Young and Drew Eubanks who of course is now uh, somewhat tearing up for Portland but that pick which eventually found it way, its way to the Jazz the number 20 pick 
they drafted Wayne Kessler. And I think the narrative around it is very disingenuous. Kessler, of course, I mean, there were 20, 21 teams which passed. And there was no guarantee at all that if Messiah had this pick, he would have gone for it. Draft hindsight is probably one of the worst things to look back on. Because even in this draft, you've seen, you know, top 10 picks struggling in the G League. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. And then you have, you know, people within 10 to 30, you know, becoming starters on, you know, winning teams. It's it's different like that. You have no idea the development arc, despite all the scouting that's out there, is so, so difficult to predict. And so while, yes, Walker Kessler did dominate this game and really kind of showed up Thad Young, uh, who was minus five in his 14 minutes on the floor, despite three steals. Walker Kessler with 14 rebounds. He is being talked about because he is what the Raptors need right now, but no one, and you are disingenuous if you did say you knew, no one knew that it is what he needed when the draft came around in 2022. And we know Masai and Bobby are some of the best drafters out there. You know, what they've turned... You know, they've turned a 27 pick into Pascal Siakam, of course. So you've got to trust them. You've got to trust the front office. And, you know, just because we could have had this. It's hypotheticals. They're not healthy to talk about. They're not even worth talking about. Let's move on to something more positive. I say the Houston win is probably worth skimming over. I mean, Houston, worst team in the league at the minute. Uh, with a 13 and 40 record they're the ones doing tanking right but it was a quite odd to watch this game and see how the raptors just couldn't get away from the rockets you know this was despite 32 from van vliet 29 from gary trent and 23 from Ziakam. and it's a real shame that they all had to play 35 minutes plus this wasn't kind of a game for flynn banton hernan gomez coloco to come in and do their thing and even still pick up the win but there was no way to kind of get away from these pesky Houston players of course you have Eric Gordon uh, the vet the one vet on their team but then players like Sengun you know an excellent playmaking guard uh, center sorry an excellent playmaking big man who's really shone in his sophomore year and it'll take a while for the Rockets to get it right and come back to even just being a semblance of a competing team. But they will eventually, and they've chosen a direction. Raptors still struggle to beat them. This could have been a very, very ugly night for Houston if they'd won. This would have really messed up their tank at the minute. I know there's a lot of competition, those lottery spots. The Raptors did pull out the win. Again, giving some momentum, giving some trade value to those players. Now, a lot of people say, oh, if the front office do want to go for the lottery, they should start tanking now. But you only breed good play through good results and confidence and that comes through wins so if you're gonna tank maybe try and do it i mean come on february 9th is not far away at all once that happens you've got utah detroit orlando you start banton flynn coloco you can do all that for now though wins are important and that's why the raptors game against the grizzlies was probably the most indicative of the direction that the front office need to take and there's only 
Two words you need to hear right now. Well, four words. Fourth quarter Scotty Barnes. This guy has been so, so impressive when it comes up clutch. It kind of makes you question, why isn't he doing it for the first three quarters? And we have touched on that before. But in the last five minutes, when the game is within five points, Scotty Barnes is 23 of 29 from the floor. I'm kidding, he's not that good. He's 23 of 39. But he's at four out of eight threes. And this Memphis game, you know, he scores two buckets over kind of a defensive player of the year nominee in Jaron Jackson Jr. And he goes from three points to 16 points in the space of a flash. Absolutely comes up clutch. And you saw after how how good that is for a sophomore's confidence. He's not had an amazing year. Of course, he's really stepped up since the since 2023 came around but he's still not had an amazing year and you know going to the fourth with three points you wouldn't be confident you say maybe you know you got Boucher and Thad who combined for 31 points maybe maybe you rest Scotty for the fourth but he's shown that he still has that clutch gene it's just a question of why isn't he showing it elsewhere what happens in those first three quarters now there's a little theory and it's probably a very sensible sports theory that you have so many big pieces on this team. Right now, it's Randley, Gary Trent, and Siakam. And Precious to an extent, but we'll just count the first three. When OG's back, you have OG. Scotty Barnes becomes the fourth or fifth option. He can't turn it on. He's deferring all the time. You know, he's making that secondary pass, that hockey assist. He's the one setting the screens. He's the one making the decoy play. But when he's kind of told to turn it on and all the focus is on the others, perhaps, and, you know, double-teaming Siakam, double-teaming Van Vliet, Scotty has that space to thrive. And I think even if more defensive attention was paid to him, he, was still, he, would, he would still thrive, as we saw, you know, going up against JJJ. No easy feat for anyone. And so while this was a yardless team that the Raptors were facing, this is so, so encouraging for Scotty. And I think that you trade a piece now, you trade one piece. Of course, I've been a big advocate throughout of not going for a total rebuild or not going for a total tank let's retool so you trade one piece you get some young players back there's been rumors of maybe van vliet for cp3 and and a couple of picks and suddenly barnes has a bigger role on the floor you play out the rest of the season you take you take what it is if it's a plane it's a plane if you're tanking it's a tanking you get a great big win-win either way but barnes still gets those reps gets that development gets that experience being second third first option throughout the game and suddenly next season the Raptors go in much much more confident it's not sensible to trade people like Siakam or Gary Trent right now if you're looking at Van Vliet and even if you're looking at Oji who whose perception has changed I would say and we'll discuss that more in a trade episode in a few days perception has changed in a lot of fans and analysts eyes and you get a good return including young players and picks you've got a really really bright future to build around Scott here Guys, this has been Balling in the Six. We're going to bring you a trade episode soon. Before that, there's going to be a game. Games against San Antonio and Utah, Detroit, Orlando. You look at those four. You think the Raptors, currently 25 and 30 at the time of recording, they could be approaching 500 very soon. All depends, of course, on what the front office do between now and that San Antonio game. But, you know, for once, Raptors fans, you can enjoy that feeling of winning while also enjoying that feeling of developing your players. This has been Balling in the Six.